Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. And in case you missed it, we look back at the Astros' first two division championship series games late, late last night. So if you need some Verlander and Cole Love, go check that out. By the way, the Astros game two had a 14.7 Nielsen rating in Houston, which is the best rating ever for a Fox Sports 1 program in Houston. So that that was pretty cool. Now let's move to the Texans-Falcons postgame show. And what a fun weekend to be a Houston sports fan. It, it continues. Robert alongside co-host Stephen Kerr, Deshaun, and Will Fuller put on a show. And Stephen that is how Texans football can be fun. Well, I was just thinking maybe uh, Deshaun Watson borrowed some of the mojo from uh, Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole because, yeah, he threw for over 400 yards. He looked so much more comfortable than he did last week. He was doing the short passes. He was doing the long passes. Fuller was involved. Hopkins got involved later on. QT got involved. Fells had a couple of touchdown passes. I mean, some of the offensive linemen may have been able to catch the ball today the way he was throwing it. Totally different player than what we saw last week. I know the Falcons are down. You know, they, they have no running game. The defense didn't seem to blitz a whole lot. A lot of four-man rush. But you got to start somewhere, and the Texans really needed a confidence booster, and uh, they got it on Sunday. Yeah, if you really want to go glass half empty, to be honest, the Falcons, not the best defense, but Deshaun... Pretty much perfect. 28 for 33, 426 yards passing, 47 yards rushing, five touchdowns, zero interceptions, a 158.3 rating, which is perfect by uh, the standards that the rating system is set up. And also, uh, he got some help from the offensive line. One quarterback hurry all day, zero sacks, zero quarterback hits on 33 dropbacks. But this, to me, was more about Deshaun getting rid of the ball quickly for the most part. There was a couple of times where he might have held onto the ball too long, and then he pulled off you know, one of his Houdini-like escapes that we've seen a million times, Stephen. And, and when he does that, it, it sure is fun. Hold on just a second. Can you say that number of sacks again for me? I want to make sure I heard you right. Yeah, that, that was a big, fat— You said zero, zero, right? Zero, 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 zero. Wow. That, that's what really— makes it for me. And I know in the third quarter, I was thinking that, but I'm like, I think I even tweeted this out. I don't want to say how many sacks Deshaun Watson has. I don't want to jinx it. But yeah, he definitely seemed to get the ball out quicker. A lot of shorter passes, balls thrown underneath. And and when things did break down, he was able to run and do his magic that he normally does with his legs that, you know, for some unearthly reason, he couldn't do it last week. The offensive line overall, Looked a ton better. Uh, Sharping, though, was the one maybe miss in that group. Not maybe. He was not good. There was a couple times where he got beat pretty badly. That's why Deshaun was running for his life a couple of times. And Sharping with three false start penalties. Luckily, it, it didn't cost you a whole lot in the drives that he got the false start penalties. After that first drive, Stephen, if you if you go through the drives, it was the three and out. Carlos Hyde had the fumble where they lose about 15 yards, and, and basically that kiboshes that drive. But after that, 11 plays, 75 yards, 6 plays, 60 yards, 10 plays, 60 yards. There was the deal where the time ran out in the half, and I want to maybe go back to that. But after that second half, 7 plays, 75 yards, 7 play 59 yard, 6 play, 88 yard, 9 play, 81 yard drive, 6 play, 60 yard drive. 
that was it. He had one drive where they had to punt. It was one punt the whole game. 53 points. I mean, that's what really gets me is 53 points from an offense that had struggled so much last week and it really struggled so much at home. I mean, to think that the Texans really haven't played that well, especially offensively at home until today. And they finally put on a show for their fans. So it was nice to see. Yeah, the the false starts by Sharping, you know, rookie mistakes or whatever. It's still not something that you can have happen every week. And I know it's on one of them he was talking to Nick, Nick Martin, and I don't know if some of that was on Martin for not snapping the ball on a couple of occasions, but you know, Sharping definitely needs to do better on that. Yeah, Deshaun's saving Sharping's butt a couple of times with his scrambling, also uh, saving Nick Martin's butt, again, with a, a bad snap. This has happened a couple of times this year, and this, again, was a critical situation. The Texans were inside the 20-yard line. They're in the red zone, but Deshaun's able to – get get it get out of traffic after he gets it and somehow I think he picked up on that play may might have took off running for a couple of yards but if if you look at uh what sharping has got to do this is a kid that didn't play guard in in in, in the in college and and now he's not only asked to play guard but he's asked to play left guard and the preseason he was playing right guard the whole time so they, well, they that's switched what, yeah that's that that was what was interesting for me is when i heard that he was going to be moving to another guard position i'm like wait but he wasn't doing that in training camp so i'm not sure that did him justice but overall see this is the the line that has mainly been intact for a couple of weeks you know this is what you want to start to see is if they can just maintain consistency not just in their play but in the personnel that's in there, you can hope that they can only get better from week to week. couple of things that stick out uh, besides Deshaun. Injuries, you know, I, I keep a column, two, two columns. One is Deshaun Sachs, which I had to make no notes in, in this game, which was great. Another column I keep is injuries. Uh, unless I missed something, there were no injuries by any of the Texans players. Uh, they also had Zach Fulton back, which was a big help. They had a Menahu back. No, Kenny stills. He still got the uh, pulled hamstring. Mike Adams. I don't know if he played, but that was a bit of news this week. They picked up 38 year old veteran safety, Mike Adams. Uh, the, the second part of uh, what we got to talk about. That's not Deshaun, uh, but has to do with Deshaun is Will Fuller, Steven. I mean, when this guy is playing well, the Texans are playing great. They're scoring. They've got their offense is rolling, you know, 217 yards, and 14 receptions on the day. Wow, three touchdowns, too. Well, well, and you know, QT played well today, too. And we've said on several occasions that if Fuller and QT can both stay healthy and get in there on a regular basis, they can make this offense go. And they not only made it go, I mean, they made it roar today. Fuller certainly did. Anyway, just a career day. And then in the second half, you know, we were wondering, well, when's Nuke going to get his thing? He got it going. So, yeah, it's so nice to see Fuller. We just, you know, like like Carlos Correa, we just have to keep praying every day that that Fuller and QT and some of these guys that have been hurt so much can stay healthy because, wow, was was Will Fuller ever productive today? If there's a will, there's a way this weekend. We had Will Harris for the Astros, Will Fuller for the Texans. I'm loving it. If there was one play that you felt like was a momentum changer for the Texans, can you guess what where I'm pointing my finger at for that? 
a momentum changer in regard to getting the momentum or losing it? Well, I mean, there there was no losing momentum for most of the day. I mean, it it almost happened a couple of times, but yeah, the the big part, the big play to me was the second drive. Deshaun, that crazy play, he fumbles somehow, recovers his own fumble, picks it up, and gets the first down. And, and it felt like from there on out, the offense was unstoppable. That that's the play. Yeah, that's definitely that. I believe that was the seventy-five yard drive, and. Yeah. Yeah, he he was trying to run. He recovers, got the first down to the Falcons 38 and went from there. So, yeah, it seemed like and, and what I also liked is in the second half, they came out and scored that that first touchdown, something they've had trouble doing starting the game and starting the second half. So that was that was a good momentum shift, too. Yeah, QT, a couple of plays that one good, one bad. Uh, the fourth possession. 10-play, 60-yard drive, they get the field goal, but they get the field goal because uh, Sharping with a penalty first, that happens, and then QT drops uh, what I think was a ball that was very catchable ball, and, and that basically helps end that drive. But then the beginning of the second half, you talked about that just now, and 53-yard pass to QT over the middle, and, and that's where he kind of – busted it out uh carlos Hyde ends up with a one yard touchdown on that drive but you know you're getting all of this help for deandre hopkins and deandre hopkins doing all that heavy lifting last year we're not seeing a ton from deandre hopkins but you know he's there uh he made some big catches some big first down catches big catch uh when they're trying to run down the clock before the will fuller touchdown at the end of the game but uh you know you don't you don't need deandre hopkins when you're getting QT and Fuller and and when Kenny Stills was healthy and 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 Carlos Hyde you know it wasn't a huge game for Carlos Hyde 21 carry 60 yards only 2.9 per carry but he got you some tough yards and some big yards in this game and and basically helped sort of soften things up for Deshaun I thought well what Carlos Hyde did do though is he he continued that label that I put on him, hide the ride. I mean, these guys will try to bring him down. They just kind of get on his back. I guess he loves giving pony rides to opponents because he gave several more today. And and that will wear out a defense too, don't forget, is that he just he power runs his way through. Didn't have a lot of big runs, but he had some important ones. And also, he, he just kept fighting and fighting for that extra yardage and kind of wearing out the Falcons' defense by doing it in a way. If you remember in Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, the good guy is Dr. Jekyll, the bad guy is Mr. Hyde. Well, we, right. we like the bad Mr. Hyde when, when he's running bad <laughs> to the bone uh, up the middle and, and just plowing guys over. But what you really need for the Texans is you need Dr. Deshaun Jekyll and not, and not Dr. Deshaun Hyde. And, and it seems like... You know, when he plays well, he plays great. And then when he does it, it, it's ugly like the Jacksonville game and the Carolina game. Yeah, it was just so nice to see Deshaun. And he just he looked so much more confident. And I think that the type of game that he played today, the faster tempo, the the quick, shorter passes, it, it seems to play more to his strengths, kind of like when he was at Clemson. And maybe that's something the Texans just need to do more of is that they kind of kept the Falcons on their toes. Uh, especially in the first half, playing a faster tempo game, quick out of the huddle and the shorter passes. So it, it just, Deshaun just looked worlds more comfortable than he did last week. Yeah, he was very accurate. But the key to the offensive line is when Deshaun gets rid of the ball quicker, which he did most of the game. He, he looked like he knew exactly where he was going to go when the play started. He made a quick decision usually. It's always that middle ground with him. It's always if he doesn't get that quick 
uh, pass out, then it's a lot of times he waits and waits and waits and, and it's figuring out where he can go, that secondary guy that he can hit. And if you look at his accuracy in this game as a passer, uh, maybe the only pass that he really missed the entire game was they had uh, the drive in the second half. And I don't know if you remember this one, but they, they get it really close. And then he misses Will Fuller in the end zone. It would have been a tough kind of thread the needle pass, but I thought that was there for him to have. The Texans end up with a field goal on that drive. Um, you know, that was all set up also by a great Deshaun scramble for 36 yards. So, you know, even though, you know, he missed Fuller at, towards the end of that drive, um, he was doing things throughout the drive to make it happen. And I mean, th- that's really the thing with Deshaun is, you know, it's, it's that intermediate time where the first guy's not open or he doesn't like where the first action is or whoever his first hot read is. You know, he's, he's got to figure out what to do with the football and he's got to do, do it quickly. Yeah, and I think he will continue, hopefully, certainly, will continue to learn that as the weeks go on. Yeah, it wasn't an oh-no kind of miss. Uh, certainly not like the kind. I mean, he had so many of those last week. So that that was really the only one that I can even remember because he, he completed just about every other pass he threw, didn't have any interceptions. So, wow, and, and over 400 yards to boot. And the more weapons that the Texans can have in their offense, I mean, think of... Kenny Stills can come back at some point that just gives them yet another threat, then it's okay if DeAndre Hopkins only catches a few. It's, only, it's okay if, you know, Will Fuller continues to shine and catches his share. Fells even got into the game so and, and had two touchdown passes of his own. So the more the merrier. That's what I say. Usually I also keep a column along with the other stuff that I sort of keep notes of is, you know, my Bill O'Brien, you know, what, what went wrong, what went right. Obviously he did a lot to fix the offense. You know, you can't just give it all to Deshaun and the offensive line. You got to give OB some credit with that, but as usual, end of a half, end of a game, you know, head scratching moments. This time it was the end of the half final possession no idea why they ran the ball twice when you got to Sean and Fuller and QT and, and Hopkins. You know, it, it was like he didn't want to just take a knee, but he didn't want to go for, you know, a field goal in that situation, which, you know, with Deshaun and the weapons that he's got, you can do that. And it's just it's it seems like every week one of the, one of these things happens towards the end of a half or an end of a game where it's like there that's OB being OB again. And he used all his timeouts, too, and they still didn't even get a field goal. So at least today, that head-scratcher, we're we're not going to be talking about it too much because the Texans did win. But uh, I I guess if that's the worst thing that happened today, we can let him buy a little bit on this one. If you go through the defensive possessions, first one was a three and out. Uh, Bradley Roby, great coverage on third down, but also helped by Jaleel Adai, who's quietly done a really nice job for the Texans. It was a good pickup. He had blitz pressure on that one. Yeah, he had several plays that were that were nice today. Yeah, second possession, uh, six-play, 66-yard drive. The Matt Ryan to Muhammad Sanu, 14-yard touchdown pass. Lenny Johnson, overall, he's played well, I think, this season, but that was one of those rookie deals. I, I, he needed to, uh, you know, get the guy a little bit at the line of scrimmage, be a little bit more physical with him. He gets a kind of a free release right there. Lonnie beats him across the middle touchdown third drive 10 play 57 yard drive uh watts pressure on third down stop the drive sets up the field goal jj with the big day he has a sack uh that pressure was was real big in, in that situation then the defense one first down and punt 
Then there was the 11 play 82 yard drive by the Falcons. This one I didn't understand. There was a holding penalty. It looked like on Cunningham when Zach Cunningham was blitzing, the refs called it. Then they voided it. It looked like the the running back had got his arm around Zach Cunningham's leg. I didn't understand that, but that sets up the Ryan to Devante Freeman nine yard touchdown pass. Uh, then it was a three and out. Um, then they get another three and out, and DJ Reader sack. Uh, ends that drive after JJ's initial pressure, but then DeAndre Carter with a fumbled punt, and we got to talk about special teams because it was a bad. Oh day. yes, we do. We'll we'll get to that. I'm sure. Bad bad day. I'm gonna circle back around to that. That that fumble leads to a six play 15 yard drive. Matt Ryan QB sneak replay overturns it. Replay was right. I don't know what the refs were looking at to begin with. It looked pretty obvious. Uh, then there was the eight play 75 yard drive. Sort of prevent defense. I don't know, but Calvin Ridley makes an incredible 29-yard touchdown uh, pass. Great throw by Ryan, but a better catch by Calvin Ridley. And then Tashawn Gibson with that interception, you know, sort of, um, I don't know, you would call it meaningless, but uh, it, it was not going to matter a ton, but it was a nice 70-yard, <laughs> 79-yard interception return for a touchdown. All right, let's get to special teams. I, I, I got all sorts of issues with special teams right now. It's it's bad. I think you need to start another column in your thing called Fairbairn Extra Points. We can start with that because he missed, you know, it, it, fortunately for the Texans, it didn't bite them today, but in a close game, missing two extra points in a game, three for the season. He did make a 50-yard field goal, but, you know, you combine that. And then, of course, DeAndre Carter's muffed punt which helped the Falcons score, yeah, bad, bad special teams play on more than one occasion this season. I mean, the special teams have just not looked like the Brad Seeley special teams that we're accustomed to in the past. Right, and let me just say this about Kaimi Randy Bullock Fairbairn. Uh, you don't know how long Bill O'Brien is going to put up with this because he, he's got a short fuse right now, Stephen. Well, he does. I even tweeted, I think, it, yeah, it was after he missed the first extra point. I said, I wonder how many kickers the Texans are going to work out this week. And it wouldn't surprise me in the least little bit if they bring some people in tomorrow or later in the week. Because, yep, Bill O'Brien has, has tended to, to show the quick trigger lately. So, but, but two extra points in a game, I know it's further back than it was years ago, but it's still manageable. And if you're a kicker, you got to make those. I've got more special teams problems. Brian Anger looked great last week. He had one punt. He had one job this week, one punt, and he shanked it, which made a shorter drive for the Falcons on their first touchdown drive. Also, they had a block in the back in the second quarter on a punt. Uh, no name was given on that one. Taiwan Jones had a holding uh, penalty on a third quarter punt. But, you know, DeAndre Carter, the fumbled punt, all oh, that could have been a a real killer for the Texans. It, it did cost him a touchdown. But then at the end of the game, and this is going to kind of might get washed under the rug, but the Texans were very fortunate because Carter should have let the Falcons kickoff go out of bounds. It was obviously going out of bounds. I mean, it was like the 10-yard oh, yeah. line. It, there's no way the ball was not going out of – there was no bounce it was going to take. If he didn't touch it, it lands out of bounds, and he gets really lucky that the Falcons weren't smart enough to challenge it where the Texans would have had the ball around their 
10 yard line, I guess it would, it would have been a much different deal and the pressure would have been amped up a little bit. Yeah. Carter definitely had a rough day. And on the muffed punt, I, I was kind of going back and forth today with the broadcast between the uh, Texans radio network and the Fox crew. And I just happened to be listening to the Texans broadcast. And right before the punt, Andre Ware said, hold on to the punt, hold on to the ball. And no sooner had he gotten it out of his mouth that Carter drops it or muffs it. So (laughs) it was like, it was almost a foreboding for him maybe that it was going to happen. But yeah, definitely a rough day for DeAndre Carter and the special teams. If you look at uh, the stats uh, going through uh, some of the stuff on defense, uh, Jaleel Adai, I mentioned him excelling. 11 tackles on the game, 10 solo tackles. He was everywhere. Bernardrick McKinney, uh, nine tackles, but just two of them were solo. I don't, I don't know if I really felt an impact from Bernardrick McKinney. Uh, Justin Reed with eight tackles. Uh, Bradley Roby with seven, but six of those were solo. Uh, sometimes when cornerbacks are making tackles, it's not necessarily good because their guy might be catching the football. But I didn't think Bradley Roby had too bad of a day. Uh, Zach Cunningham continues to be really solid. Six tackles, not extraordinary, but you know he just seems to be making more impact tackles at the line of scrimmage, close to the backfield, and you know making. Uh, you know, making a lot of noise when he pressures, when he when he blitzes. So, and that's the other thing. Um, I don't know if you agree, Stephen, but it seems like Romeo's been blitzing a lot more this year, and I like it. I, I like the aggressiveness. Yeah, you definitely. I, I think, especially since the Saints game, he has been calling up a lot more blitzes. So that's something the Texans need to continue to do. It definitely helps your pass rush, and they they were getting pressure on Ryan, forcing him to hurry. I think Adai had a, a forced a, a quarterback hurry. Um, so. Yeah, the blitz can only help the defense uh, moving forward. Anything else you got? Any other notes? Uh, it, it, I mean, it's it's fun. I mean, it's it's outside of special teams. I was pretty happy. I mean, defense. Uh, there was a couple of things that you know they, they they could tighten up. But I thought when you look at the scoreboard, uh, don't be confused by that because the special teams set up that super short field. Uh, there was just a couple of things that I thought. You know, a little bounce here or there, just some some stuff. But you're going up against Matt Ryan, who, you know, this guy, he's he's been a league MVP before. He, he's a good quarterback. Yeah, and he's going to put up the numbers. He's done that in the previous games, but the Falcons don't have wins to show for it. You don't make the big plays when they need to. I, I was kind of interested in uh, the J.J. Watt roughing the passers. He had a couple of those. I don't know how you felt, Robert. The second one, to me, was a bit questionable. But those things are going to happen. I mean, Watt was... In that particular sequence, Watt was really putting the pressure on Ryan. Yeah, that, I, there was one where they said he got he went at his legs. Well, basically, you know, I, this is what I hate. You know, this overprotecting the quarterback occasionally, where a guy is basically knocked off balance by the offensive lineman, and he's sort of falling down towards the quarterback, and you're you're like momentum is going towards the quarterback because guess what? That's your job. That's what you're supposed to do as a defender. And J.J. sort of falls into his legs. And, you know, it wasn't like he went, you know, purposely trying to break a knee or anything like that. He just kind of falls in because he was knocked off balance. And the first roughing the passer penalty, which J.J. was, I think, most upset about, uh, it looked like, you know, Matt Ryan threw the ball and like a millisecond or less later 
JJ hits him, and it's like JJ can't pull up just because you know Matt Ryan's got the quickest trigger in the West. I mean that that to me was questionable. I think both of them were questionable. You know, I I, I don't get mad at JJ because no, no, definitely not. No, and and that's the thing is that you know a lot of these roughing the passer calls. Well, I don't know about a lot, but some of them I should say. It's when you're that close to them, and if you are as quick as say a Matt Ryan is. Yeah, these players are trained to stop on a dime, but you can only stop on a dime just so quickly. When you're that close to him and you hit it just barely after he releases it, you know, it's an official's judgment call. And obviously they felt in both cases that he did it. But certainly J.J., he's just trying to do his job. He's just trying to sack the quarterback. And then the offensive call, a holding call that you mentioned earlier that the officials called back and almost made me wonder if maybe they looked up, saw the replay and go, oh, maybe we better change it. That it was like the the call and then call back kind of thing that just kind of made them look bad. Got to talk about the tight ends also, Stephen, because, you know, usually we're not talking about tight ends getting touchdowns for the Texans, but we mentioned Darren Fells with two touchdowns. Uh, Jordan Aikens continues to have a pretty good season. He's making plays here and there. And the other thing is they're doing this without, you know, Jordan Thomas was maybe, I think what most of us thought would be their number one tight end going into the season. He's sort of the freak show as a physical specimen and wearing, I thought had the potential to be a freak show. It's going to be interesting. You know, if those guys do come off the injured list, as far as I know, wearing it was just a concussion. So you would assume he, he, he could potentially be back after week six. That's when you can bring guys off the injured list. Uh, and then also, you know, I would assume Jordan Thomas, the other Jordan, he, he's going to be back too. So, uh, you know, they might they might have a number of weapons now to choose from. Of course, you know, it's football. So somebody, somebody's going to get hurt between probably now and the next two or three weeks. I mean, that's just what happens. It's, it's not something you wish for, but yeah, it is football and it's going to happen. And, you know, what's interesting about Fells is that with his two touchdowns today, I, I believe he, he's tied for the team lead in touchdown passes. So, it, you know, the twi- the tight ends are getting involved, and I know they they cut Jarrell Adams and then re-signed him to the practice squad, so that was another move they made earlier this week. He wasn't getting a, a lot of playing time, but the Texans have certainly been high on him. So, yeah, the tight end situation is a very interesting one to watch moving forward, especially when these guys are eligible to come off the injured list. Yeah, Fells making the most of his catches, two catches, two touchdowns in this game, and Deshaun Watson on that second touchdown to Fells. Oh my gosh, that was a pretty pass because he just put it right up there exactly where Fells could get it. Nobody else could get it. The guy was trying to scrape at the ball, trying to get it loose from Fells after he's already in the end zone and the refs already raised his hands up and everything. But um, just got to give Deshaun props because that might have been my favorite throw of his the entire game. And and, and he got rid of the ball quickly there too, which was nice. Uh, Just, I mean you got to just circle back to Deshaun in this game. And, you know, this reminded me, I don't know what you thought, Stephen, this reminded me, this game was very reminiscent of early baby Deshaun Watson, where he was just going up and down the field against teams. Well, and and that's what you wanted to see. And, and he even did that in his rookie season. He did it against teams like the Patriots, like the Seahawks. And next week's going to be a big test, of course, with the Chiefs. So, there's nothing that says that Deshaun Watson can't do that against the Chiefs defense. You know, the biggest question is, can the Texans defense stop the Chiefs offense? That That's what's going to be the difference. But I definitely think Deshaun 
if he can bounce back like he did today, can certainly keep the Texans competitive in a game that they're going to need against the Chiefs and teams like them. Yeah, this this next week should be super interesting with, you know, seeing where this defense is going up against Pat Mahomes. I mean, you know, that's a whole other level of competition. Uh, also, they, um, you know, they've got some speed with their whiteouts and, you know, it could be a challenge. I'm wondering how Jonathan Joseph's going to hold up, you know, still concerned about guys with, you know, speed because he, he's still at times playing, you know, five, 10 yards away from receivers, just scared to death that somebody's going to blow past him. Um, the good news for the Texans uh, in the early games, as we're recording this right after the Texans game, Jacksonville loses. So the Texans move one game ahead of Jacksonville, Carolina takes care of them 34 to 27. Um, and then it's just a wait and see with some other uh, AFC South. Uh, that Chiefs game will be, of course, uh, Sunday night. Some of you will probably know how that has gone by the time you hear this. But um, just just a lot of good stuff. I mean, offensively, super happy. Defensively, totally okay with how things went. Um, and then special teams was really the only issue. And Bill O'Brien, for, for Bill O'Brien, uh, on, on his on his kind of grading scale, I, I would give him a 9 out of 10 for this game. The good thing is the Texans are 3-2. and two. They did what they needed to do today. So 3-2 and two after five games, when you consider, at least before the season started, how tough the schedule looked, especially in the first seven games, three and two is is about where I'd say they should be. They, they've had some games that, yes, they certainly should have won them. They, they could be four and one as easily as, as they're three and two. But they're three and two. They're still in a good position. Even if they lose to the Chiefs, three and three still puts them, I think, in a good position. But again, it depends on what the other teams are going to do in the coming weeks. But I'm I'm trying to be cautiously optimistic, Robert. You know, especially after the win against the Chargers, everybody was on cloud nine, thinking that maybe the Texans have come back. Then they fell against the the Panthers, bounced back against the Falcons. Hopefully, next week against the Chiefs, as I said, they can make a game of it. Maybe even pull off the upset. Hey, who knows? It could happen. You got to think positive. But three and two after five games, I'll take it. Yeah, if you lose next week, you're three and three. And then I think it gets to be a super important game because you're three and three, you're going to Indy. And that's a game that you kind of need. Um, the, yeah, the schedule the second half of the season, much easier, but you don't want to be three and four after seven games. After that, it's Raiders. It's at Garrett Minshew. Then you get a bye week. You can kind of reassess and figure out where you're at from there. Baltimore's not going to be easy. After that, Colts, Patriots. So it's kind of a brutal stretch after that bye week. But, you know, you've got to figure out a way to either beat the Colts or beat the Chiefs and maybe hopefully beat both of those uh, in, the, in these next two games. This is a this this Colts game could turn out to be a swing game for the entire season for the Texans. Yeah, it certainly could. And of course, the, the being at Indy, the Texans traditionally don't do well at Indy. So that's that's going to be a big game, too. And then coming off the Chiefs game, depending on how that turns out. Overall, though, great stuff. Great game for the Texans. Uh, they put up 50. How many points today, Stephen? How- 53. 53 points. What the hell is going on around here? <laughs> well, I'll t- like I said, I'll take it. I'll, I'll take Deshaun running up and down the field and throwing deep and throwing short and 
throwing. I'll, I'll take him throwing over 400 yards any day. All right, well, keep an eye out for our Astros postgame shows. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to maybe uh, finishing off the series on Monday afternoon. Sweep the leg, baby. Sweep the leg. Doing a little karate kid there. But, yeah, uh, looking forward to that one. Uh, hopefully uh, the Texans can take a little momentum into next week's game. The, the offense particularly can take some momentum into it. But uh, what a Houston sports weekend this has been. Uh, 2-0 and against Tampa and a 53-point showing by the Texans to go up to 3-2 and on this season. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.